You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Adam Mattis, who, before the Denver game, was... We have to talk about the Nuggets. I was It was nonstop text. We, the time. only thing we're going to talk about is, is the Denver Nuggets. We're still going to talk about them. But we have to open up with LeBron James' new album. How exciting <laughs> is this? <laughs> In my defense, I did not know that album was going to drop. Otherwise, we would have made separate plans. Track by track breakdown. <laughs> of... <laughs> it would have been the worst show in history. You, you want to you hear my theory on, on, on LeBron's social media like planning for this? We all know he plans like three steps ahead, right? Okay. So every single song that every rapper has produced over the last like five years, he's like in he's been in the back of his car, like rocking out to it, loving it on Instagram, right? Okay. So my thing is, my theory is, he's getting ready to drop a verse of his own, and he's telling those rappers, guys, I have given you nonstop praise. I'm expecting the I, I'm expecting the <laughs> same in return for no matter <laughs> no matter how bad this is. Yeah, I, allegedly it's good. I saw some people on the timeline saying they were feeling it. So you know what? Um, go for it. <laughs> I, I like I like also how like the, earlier that last week he was talking about how you know we just don't know. I just don't know what guy's sole focus is if if it's just basketball. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't it come out? Yeah. I, I don't want to <laughs> hang on this for too long, but it definitely seems like. Uh, <laughs> It he seems has, like LeBron's year is going phenomenally off the court. He, he has a play coming out. Anywho, uh, we're going well, to uh, – oh, so today, the way today's show is going to go, we're going to bounce around the league in the first segment and then in segments two and three because much like we've talked about with Milwaukee, they haven't gotten the, the pub that we think that we should – or that they have they should have gotten to this point. Denver's kind of sitting in that same spot, and here we are. Fortunate enough to have Adam, who is around the Nuggets all the time. He hosts Locked on Nuggets. We have had probably about 14 shows this year that have been essentially Locked on Lakers. So (laughs) we're going to return the favor here. I'm going to talk to Adam about the Denver Nuggets. We're going to start with the Nuggets and Jazz game that we watched on TNT. And then we're going to open up that discussion to bigger picture stuff in in segment three. They're a really interesting team that I think people will want to know and, and will get to know if, if this year, I think, a little bit. And in years to come, I think quite a bit. So um, yes. it, it'll be a fun discussion. That second point especially. People don't realize – I told – I was watching that game tonight with my wife. We went out for dinner and we were sitting there at the bar and we were watching some of that. And she was like, you keep going on and on and on about this Jokic guy. He, he's really, <laughs> really good. What am I watching here? And I said, well, one – this is like his one bad game of the year. <laughs> but but two, he's twenty-three years old. People don't people don't quite recognize that. So that's why I, I really do believe that moving forward, people are gonna really care about this Denver Nuggets team. So that's how segments two and three are gonna go. But let's let's dive right back into bouncing around the league. Uh Dirk Nowitzki, I think legitimately annoyed the league by saying that he kinda wants to come back next year. <laughs> You know what's funny? A lot of people I talk to in Dallas are not surprised by this. In fact, they've been no. telling me this behind the scenes for right. quite a while. Yeah. They think they said, you know, everybody's talking about this as like Dirk's last year and the arenas are giving him these ovations, but a lot of people said, I think he's coming back for another year, which seems bizarre to me. I mean, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but I will say this, Anthony. Next year, opening night, Luka Doncic, uh Kristaps Porzingis, Dirk Nowitzki. I'm watching. Yeah. 
I'm watching that game. I am too. I don't. I don't look. Dirk has the kind of game that he'll be able to play when he's like 50. Like just, well, I, I would make the argument he can't play at the moment because, <laughs> because well, you know, his shot comes and goes, but well, the, but the like, guy is the, – The Dallas Mavericks have no expectations on him. Roll him yeah, out there. Yeah, 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 Why yeah, not? Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's going to yeah, be the same no, thing next year too I think. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there. to lose. But I do think there's some sentimental value – even though Porzingis is always already on the roster, not playing, there's going to be something about getting to see those guys together that I think is very, very cool. Yeah, I, I, I too believe that. I'm actually looking forward to it, and I'm also looking forward to whether or not they offer him that last spot on the All Star team next year. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, again. Oh, can you imagine? Oh my. <laughs> uh, all right. Last thing in this first segment uh, in bouncing around the league, OKC loses to Philly without. Joel Embiid. Yeah. Uh, OKC has kind of slid a little bit. They have. And they're a team that I think we're going to learn a lot about. I think a lot of people anointed them probably prematurely. Um, They're a very, very good team. I think in the playoffs, we know know you can – they can defend. They they have some guys that can gun. We also know they lost to the Utah Jazz last year. So this is a team that I think has a lot of upside, but I don't know that they are definitively in their own category. I think a lot of people see Tier 1, Golden State, Tier 2, OKC. I I don't know that I would say that. I think OKC is probably closer to the rest of the Western Conference. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I think the thing with OKC is they have to – they have to – stick to their identity i think they've found the identity that's going to make them the most successful this year they have to stick to it and by they i mean russell westbrook has to stick to that identity he has to recognize that you know it's it's if they really want to be successful it's not tech you know quote unquote his team he's going to have to step aside for for paul george and every so often in these close games i know when the lakers play against okc I actually root for Russell Westbrook to try to take over. And and that's kind of where they find themselves right now. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think this next six weeks is really going to test them as they have, I think, the second or third hardest schedule from here on out. Another game, Anthony, we have to talk about, though. We can't get out of this sec- segment too fast. Houston, 121-118, narrowly edging out Miami Heat, playing in Houston, playing at home. And James Harden drops 58. So my question is, 58 points, they get the win. Is it impressive or is it more concerning that it takes 58 points to beat the Miami Heat? Yes. Am I allowed to say yes? <laughs> I, like, I think it's crazy. The, one thing is it's wild watching how easy it is for Harden to drop numbers like that, right? It, it yeah. almost it, It's almost too easy to the point where people you know question it because of the, the amount of times he gets to the free throw line. He just doesn't look like somebody who should be able to score and and put up numbers the way he does as easily as he does. But at the same time, I mean, it's the Miami Heat. They're they're twenty seven and thirty four on the year. <laughs> the, the, they have the yeah. inverse of the Houston Rockets <laughs> record, where the Rockets are thirty seven and twenty five. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's it's well, it's a little concerning. Fifty eight points and ten assists, though. I mean, I don't. I, I just you have to appreciate these things. That's how. It's that's where wild. I. Stay. That's where I look at that. Is you know what these these games don't come around all the time. So yes, they barely beat Miami, but um, it's impressive. The other game that stood out to me tonight, Anthony, Minnesota loses at Indiana. Indiana, heck of a team, but Minnesota. You know, they clawed to tie the Lakers, and I think that was the thing where people like like, oh man, if we're talking about the Lakers making the playoffs, we might as well talk about Minnesota. 
every loss for any of those teams on the outside looking in, every loss kind of buries them a little bit more. And I thought this was one that had Minnesota won this game and they got a great effort from Towns. Had they won it, I would have I would have taken them seriously. Now I just don't think I will. Yeah, I, I never really took Minnesota all that seriously. I've always thought it was it's a four team race for two spots. Um yeah. and, and and you know, we'll see what Minnesota turns into in the upcoming off seasons. But, but for right now, I, I just don't, they're another team that what's their identity is cat and Wiggins. If he ever outscores the, the, the number of shots he takes four 14 tonight, 11 points. So tonight, no go. All right. Unless you have any, any other games that you wanted to talk about, uh, we have to jump to the, the game of the night. I thought, which, you know, I wish it would have been closer throughout, but the fact that they were able to, to come back and claw back, I think, shows what Denver might have uh, in, in store for the rest of the league. But we're going to get to that here in a bit. So Utah beats Denver on the second night of a back-to-back on the road in altitude, 111-104. to this was an impressive game from Utah. I was really impressed with them tonight. Me too. Me too. Uh, though, I how do you feel about their jerseys? <laughs> you know, some people. It's, it's very polarizing that that uh, paint swatch uh, jersey. Also, interesting little tidbit tonight that I'm sure nobody caught on. It apparently was Iowa State night at Pepsi Center. Um, Monte Morris having a great year out of uh, Iowa State. Um, Niang, Gorgeous Niang and Nas Mitru Long also from Iowa State. So <laughs> two guys that did not play and then Monte Morris off the bench. And there was probably 500 Iowa State fans in the game tonight. Go figure. How about that? Uh, I think they look like candy corn. But let's let's talk <laughs> about the actual game. Uh, I was trying to figure this out, and, and I just want to bounce this off of you. Is there anything that Gobert offers that gives Jokic – just specifically problems because the league as a whole has really had troubles with Jokic this year. But I I think Gobert's length really presents some issues there. So here's what's interesting. I, and this is going to sound wild. I don't think Jokic has had a bad, like a a truly bad game until tonight. This was the Mm -hmm. first one of the year where I felt like he just got dominated. He's been below his average, but still effective, at least in stints. But tonight was the game where I just felt like he never got it going and that the, the two players that were guarding him, Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, really uh, really just kind of owned him in this matchup. And it was kind of almost jarring to see to the extent that it was. Um, you know, Gobert, I think, first of all, he's just a fantastic defender. Jokic, they've played three times. I thought in the first two games, Jokic had the upper hand in the matchup. And this mm-hmm. one, it really flipped the other way. You know, they did an interesting thing. They put favors on him and then used Gobert as the help side. And usually Jokic is very good at, at extending and playing out above the three-point line when when you get, uh, you know, rim protectors trying to, tr- trying to body him inside. Jokic was inside all night, and he kept trying to post up, and he kept getting blocked. And um, so is there anything that Gobert does? His length and his mobility, I think, really challenge him. But he's just a heck of a defender. And if you allow him to patrol the paint the way that he did – I think this is the result you get. Was it was it a matter of whoever Gobert was guarding, not knocking down shots? Like did 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 you think like sure. Millsap struggled particularly? Because if Millsap hits shots and Gobert is the person who's guarding him, then you're talking about a different game. 
Denver, I think, struggled to shoot the ball in this game just as a whole. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily just Paul Millsap. You know, Denver never really got the ball moving. Their offense is very dynamic. I think the third best offensive rating in all of the NBA. They passed the ball really, really well. Um, 30 assists or above is the norm for them. Uh, in this game, 7 of 25 from the three-point line, and it it just never felt like they were getting the looks that they wanted. And as I said, when the Nuggets are at the bet, at their best, the ball is not sticking to any one player. Tonight, I thought they went through the Jokic in the post a little too much. They tried too hard to kind of force-feed that mm-hmm. style of play, and it played into uh, Utah's hands. And you have to give them credit. They, I thought they defended their hearts out. Ricky Rubio out of the lineup, Royce, Royce O'Neal uh, in for him, and he just did a fantastic job defensively on everybody that he guarded. And uh, they just came with the right game plan, I thought, and, and caught Denver off guard. And then on the other end, you know, here's the the equally as important as, as you look at kind of playoff matchups for Denver and, and you think about what really gives Denver a hard time. The spread pick and roll has been the thing that they can't do. A lot has been made about Jokic and as, him as a defender. I, I happen to think... Uh, Nikola Jokic is a much better defender, and I think people are catching on. This is the year I think that narrative has kind of shifted a little bit, yeah. at least from what I've seen. I remember he's, last, he's year, pretty... last year it was like a couple people who were just saying, like, no, 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 he's not that bad. But this is yeah. the first year that a lot more people are saying, no, no he's he's actually not that bad. Yeah, he's and, and in some cases he's really good. I think he's really good guarding the post one-on-one. He's an excellent rebounder. Um, he He's really good at suckering people into – not getting all the way into the paint and kind of settling for those those in-between shots. So he, he has some skills to him. But the thing that he is not good at and the thing that I think people that sticks in people's minds is when you are able to spread teams out and run spread pick and roll, put pressure on the rim with an above-the-rim roll threat like Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, these DeAndre Jordan, those yeah. types of guys, that's when he really struggles. And um, tonight – Denver's weakness, they they are worst in the league at allowing opponent three-point attempts from the corners. Tonight, you look at the shot chart from the, from the Jazz, they spread Denver out, they put pressure on the rim with Gobert rolling, and I thought that both Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles did a great job of getting into the teeth of the defense on spread pick and roll and finding guys in the corner uh, tonight. Kyle Korver, 6 of 10 from the three-point line. Kyle, Kyle Korver tonight. 22 points. I, I kept watching, especially – so there was a moment in the fourth quarter where Denver crawls back to within five, I think it was. And then and then Utah went on a bit of a run, and a huge chunk of that run was Kyle Korver standing yeah. unguarded in, in the corners. And I'm sitting there like, there's one thing you have to worry about with this guy. You have one job, guys. And he and he just kept getting open. I wanna I wanna you you mentioned you mentioned a you know the the idea of a team completely spreading out the Denver Nuggets and and them having troubles with that. One, they aren't alone in in having troubles guarding <laughs> that. Two, I think this is where Rubio not playing kind of sort of helped a little bit because no you doubt about it, when, absolutely. When Rubio is out there, you can't. It's not a complete spread out offense. When Rubio isn't when he, when he's not out there and he's replaced by Royce O'Neal and and maybe another shooter out there that does completely spread them out and and I think that in particular in in last night's game by the time you guys are listening to this really gave Denver problems. Yeah, and and another guy Tabo Cephalosha three for three from the three point line. So as much as this game, you know, Utah I thought controlled it. You look at that and you think. Two guys, Kyle Korver, Tabo Cephalosha, 9 for 13 from the three-point line. I mean, you win most of the time when you have guys shoot like that. But to your point about uh, Ricky Rubio, what was so effective about Utah against Denver tonight, and, and you mentioned it, a lot of teams struggle with spread pick and roll. Um, 
I thought they did a good job of attacking Denver in the pick and roll. Both guys often in the same possession. So Donovan Mitchell would get into the teeth of the defense, cause a scramble, kick it out. Joe Ingles goes into a pick and roll, gets into the teeth of the defense, kicks it out. And, you know, defending multiple pick and rolls in a single possession is really tough for any team, let alone a team that struggles to contain guys in the pick and roll. And, and one other note about this. A lot has been made about Nikola Jokic in the way, you know, if you have a Rudy Gobert or you have a, a Joel Embiid or some of these guys that are better rim protectors, then maybe you just discourage those guys from turning the corner and going to the paint anyway. Jokic isn't that guy, so that means you need your guards to really do a good job of forcing the defense a little bit further out, playing into them and recovering quickly. And unfortunately, that to me for the last two, three seasons has been as much a part of the problem for Denver's defense as as anything, if not more of a problem. So Denver tonight always playing from behind on the guards in the pick and roll, and that's why Kyle Korver was open so much because you had the option of giving Gobert a dunk, giving a guy like Mitchell or, or, or Joe Ingles wide open layups, or giving up a wide open corner three. They, they chose the option that led to 9 of 13 shooting from three. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, was, I I was just, you know, as somebody as somebody who doesn't obviously focus on either the Jazz or Denver and as somebody who has known Kyle Korver to be one of the best three-point shooters I have ever seen. Uh and then and then once again, it's just fun to watch this game through the prism of of somebody like Jen's eyes who is a completely casual fan and she's just she's just watching. She's saying, "Man, even I know you don't leave Kyle Korver open in the corners." Yeah. You know, well, so, I think if, you're, if this is an indictment on, on Denver's defense as a whole and their game plan tonight, because you're right, it's not one of those things where it's pick your poison. You want to try to make you want to contest every shot and yeah. maybe you funnel them to one thing or the other. But if you're giving Kyle Korver wide open looks, something didn't go right. Yep. All right. We are going to come back and have a Q&A about the Denver Nuggets just in a general sense, because, again, they're a fascinating team. They are really, really interesting, not just this season, but moving forward and and, and not necessarily in the ways that you might be thinking. So we're going to come back and, and have that conversation. I feel like we we skipped over the part where I was you know, just Dem- coming back to this. <laughs> Utah did a great job and they really controlled 80 percent of this game, but Denver did a great job of making this a game and, and yeah. they stormed back and this was one of the worst games of the year as a team for Denver. Probably the single wor- not probably certainly the single worst game from Jokic. Denver was down five points with 45 seconds to go with the ball. So mm-hmm. this this was uh, – Denver, I think their, their floor is actually higher than a lot – that's the way I would put it. Their floor is pretty high because they're pretty talented. They're crazy deep. They're crazy deep. They're insanely deep. You're, you're talking to somebody who's rooting for a Lakers team that has four useful NBA players. Right <laughs> <laughs> but, but Denver might actually be too deep. They Yes. That's what I kind of – well – Two things. I thought you were going to go back and talk about the goaltending review play, which like two seconds on that. Yeah. There has to be a common sense clause, guys. Like the, so, so to set the table here, uh, Denver has just rallied back. They had all of the momentum there on this enormous run. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just enough time for them to pull this thing off. Yeah. And so 50 seconds left, Jokic shoots the ball. Gobert blocks it at the apex of the shot, but they call a goaltend. Well, the block winds up in Will Barton's hands, who's pretty open on the perimeter. Gary Harris is in the corner, also pretty open. So you figure you can get a pretty good look there. But the referees have to review it because they called a goaltend. On review, they determined, no, it was not a goaltend, so we have to jump ball, which means 
Rudy Gobert's going to jump ball against Nikola Jokic, which will win nine <laughs> times out of ten. And it was one of those things where had it's a reviewable play for some reason, but by fixing one mistake, you create another. Yeah, I, I you need a common sense clause. The ball is in Will Barton's hands, right? Like it's, it's walked right to him. It's it's he has the ball in his hands, and you called that play dead. And like, sure. Anything could have possibly happened. Somebody throws a beer onto the court. It knocks a ball off course, and it goes to, like, a Denver player's hands. Like, maybe that happens. But when, when a player has the ball in his hands right there, you just got to be able to say, okay, so that was that was not a goaltend. We missed that call. The ball is in another player's hands. It's that team's ball out of bounds. And by the way, Denver misses out on an advantage there too because Will Barton is standing wide open from three-point range. Like it's not like yeah. you're just awarding Denver the ball with with nothing to, to – that they're not losing anything either. They would have lost something there. Obviously, Utah by the by the definition of the rule loses something there because Denver's getting the ball. <laughs> but I, I just think like in, in all of these reviews – and we see it where you know when they're, when they're looking in out-of-bounds plays – uh, where somebody just hammers somebody's hand and the ball oh, goes right. out of bounds yeah. as a result, but it right? was off of him. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Technically speaking, the ball went off of that person's yeah. hands, but yeah. that guy broke a hand because he. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there has to be a common sense clause here. I don't. First of all, I don't think I'd ever seen this. Ex- I don't. I didn't know that a goaltend could be reviewable. First of all, and then and for this very reason, because it created this weird thing. Well, the ball was live, but now it's not. Kind of situation. So eh, interesting play. I don't think. To me, it was like a, a footnote in the story, yeah. not really the main story. I, I think I'm glad that goaltends are reviewed I, I because actual points are on the line here. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm glad that goaltends get reviewed. I just think in, in situations like this where there's an obvious outcome to the goaltend, you have to be able to, to, to have some common sense there. All right, let's get back to the Denver Nuggets as a whole here. And we talked about in, in the previous segment, we talked about Denver getting away from some of what makes them – uh, special this year, yeah. especially on offense. And and you, as as a Denver blogger, have have come up with this phrase or whatever. It's like the ball is popping, right? Is that your thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's it. Uh, so so the ball is popping. That means that that the ball is really zipping around on the perimeter, going inside out, whatever it is. Um, and and Michael Malone after the game was talking about how it got stagnant, especially in the second yeah. quarter, and yeah. and isolated. Uh, Isaiah Thomas and, and and his trying to find his way and my thing if I can't if I can't Anthony I want to get to that and, yeah. and but a quick aside here because I just want to tell people I know a lot of people don't watch the Nuggets they're not on national television a lot you see them the you number one in the, the Western Lakers Conference and, and all of this stuff forty two and nineteen on the season now with this loss best home record all these different things this is who the Denver Nuggets are first of all they're led by Nikola Jokic who again tonight not the best example of this but one of the most unique and talented players skilled players that we have seen come through this league at the center position in a, in a really long time offensively he has very few weaknesses he is an elite post-up player statistically elite post-up player elite rebounder maybe the best passing center we've ever seen a good three-point shooter has maybe the best handle of any center in the league currently i would say probably does leads the fast break so offensively what makes denver so unique is they have a guy unlike any other center that depending on how the defense plays him can adjust his game to do the thing that the defense yeah. can't defend. So you try to put a littler guy on him. He's so good in the post 
scoring against smaller guys. If you try to send the double team, he's as good as anyone I've ever seen at reading the pass out of the double team and finding the open guys. This is how he averages over seven assists from the center position. So they're, first and foremost, they're a team led by a guy that is unlike anything we've ever seen. But then it's not just him. I think his style of play is incredibly contagious. And Denver is, in my opinion, the second best passing team in the league currently, only behind the Golden State Warriors, who are, I mean, they're their own beast. (laughs) I legitimately don't know how I'm going to describe Nikola Jokic 10 years from now or 20 (laughs) years from now. Like when I'm when I'm talking, when I'm talking, I have a kid on the way. I have no idea how I'm going to explain to this kid how this guy was was as effective as he was looking the way that he does. And I think that I think that legitimately affects the way that people talk about him. It's unfortunate, it's stupid, but I think that that legitimately plays a role here. On Tuesday Stephen Adams was benched. Yeah. Benched because benched. he was getting absolutely destroyed by Jokic in this game. I mean, he's he really is a unique guy because yeah, he doesn't run very fast. He doesn't jump he, almost he ever. He plays and... like he has a perpetual head cold. Like yeah. <laughs> It's wild. But I I think a lot of people look that don't watch and maybe just see the highlights. You know, they're very unimpressed with him and they think, okay, well, this guy, he's a novelty. It's like Lynn Sanity. Eventually eventually somebody's going to figure him out. And somebody's going to figure him out. This guy has only been getting better every, you know, game by game, month by month for four years now. And oh, by the way, he's been consistently doing this. There's a reason that nobody saw Denver coming. And and by the way, another, another thing here I think Denver, we talk about their depth, they're very, very, very good. I think it's not a coincidence that Gary Harris got hurt. Will Barton got hurt. You put Monte Morris, who never played in the NBA before. You put Torrey Craig, who never played in the NBA before. Malik Beasley, who played just a handful of minutes. And those guys all break out this season. I think he is a type of player that sets the table so well that he allows these players to get great looks and, and, yep. and, and to be effective. So I don't think it's a coincidence that all of these guys look good when they play alongside him. Yeah, it's funny. He makes basketball look difficult on him on his own, like on himself, <laughs> because like the running looks so difficult for him. He has one of my favorite quotes of the season where he talks about how, you know, what was the most difficult aspect of the skills challenge? He's like running. He's like, <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, no, I, I always say he's equal parts clumsy and smooth. I, yeah. I don't know if he's smooth or if he's awkward because <laughs> he's both at the same time. It's but really bizarre. He makes basketball look so difficult on himself, but he makes basketball so easy on everybody around him. It's it's yeah. a cool combination. Uh, but I want to talk to I, I want to get back to that Isaiah Thomas conversation because heading into his coming back from injury, uh, I was nervous because Monte Morris is legit. He's really freaking good. Now, I don't know if he's really freaking good in the context of he plays on this really deep, really talented team or if he's just like actually legitimate. But but with Monte Morris, you know that he's not going to overextend himself. You know he's not going to do anything dumb. And well, let me let me just give one little thing on Monte Morris. He leads the NBA currently in assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. He leads it. He's as, very as, smart as with basically the ball. a rookie. I think he played like five minutes last year. So I mean, he basically is a rookie this season. He leads it. And you would think maybe that's a coincidence, except in college he set the NCAA record for assist to turnover ratio. The yeah. record for yeah. four years over a four year career. So um, he he's a heck of a talent. And and so after the game. Michael Malone talks about how in the second quarter, especially the ball got stagnant and how Isaiah Thomas himself, he's trying to find his way and in trying to figure out the best way to to help the team. And, and, and however, Michael Malone phrased it, Isaiah Thomas said after the game that it's hard for him to figure this out while he's only playing 10 minutes or so a game. And my thing is like a lot of people who watched Isaiah Thomas over the last few years saw this coming. 
You yeah, know, yeah. it's 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 tough. He's got a great story. It's incredible to see somebody his his right, stature, right. all that stuff, blah blah blah. But but Morris is too valuable for him to lose minutes to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and here's the thing: he had 11 months off, and and even last year you could say in and out and this and that. So he's now been in, in the rotation for five games. I thought his first game back right before the All-Star break, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his second game back, he gets a week off with the All-Star break. He was pretty good. I mean, a, a positive. Mm-hmm. In his third game back, I thought he was not that good. In his fourth game back, I thought he was bad. And then tonight, he was a complete disaster. So right. unfortunately, the trend is going in the wrong direction. And, and you touched on it. A couple things. Number one, he plays a position – and has a skill set that Denver does not need. They are the number right. three offense in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas is an offensive guy. They had a bench point guard who was very good. He's a bench point guard well, at, at, at this stage. So he inherently, I think, you looked at it and said, okay, as talented as he is, at best, he makes you a little bit better at something you're already really good at. But herein lies the problem. And, and you mentioned the Michael Malone quote after the game. He talked about how the ball got sticky. Isaiah Thomas, 11 minutes tonight was a minus 10. And I think it was worse than, than even that, than what that seems. 28.5 usage percentage. That's insane. He, and, that's, and that was the point is Isaiah Thomas, the ball was in his hands a lot tonight when he was on the court. And um, and this was the most it sort of looked like he just did not fit in, not just because he played something that they didn't need, but also he just wasn't fitting the style and and it was out of sorts there. So, um, again, it's only five games. I think you have to be really patient and, and, and kind of see what you got. You don't want to make decisions now and just kind of toss them to the side mm-hmm. for one because he could be a good player. For two, I think a lot of people have eyeballs on this and how Denver treats. This is a – as weird as it is, this is a big free agent signing for Denver. This is a big name. So I think there's at least a little responsibility to be honest and upfront with him. So um, today, Michael Malone did talk about how he's going to have to really look at the lineup Isaiah had been playing and and see how they can improve it and maybe even cut somebody out of it. Um, but uh, and then And then Isaiah, after the game, said, it's really hard because I'm only playing 10 to 15 minutes a night. So unfortunately tonight this is the first loss that Isaiah Thomas has had on the season. Um, but there's some quotes coming out of it that show, I think that this could, some this is going to get touchy. Yeah, it's going to get touchy. He, look, Isaiah Thomas had a great year as, as a Boston Celtic, went to Cleveland and ruffled fe- feathers there came to LA and was not particularly great out here. Uh, then took 11 months off to recover. And, <laughs> and I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. If at this stage of his career he's an NBA player, I I, I don't I don't. Yeah. Well, I, well, well, Anthony, I think the the thing tonight is he could not get around anybody. Yeah, and he could he couldn't create separation. You know and, he can't defend, and if he can't do that, then what's he out there for? He's out there to get dribble penetration and and to do things where he puts pressure, but he just could not get yeah. around guys. He couldn't get shots off, and, and and that's the thing you worry about with a hip injury like that. You worry that he's just not going to have that same burst of speed. I want to talk about the Nuggets' depth, which is a strength yeah. in theory. Yeah. Uh, in, in theory. Now, in the playoffs, we've seen year after year after year after year depth be a little overvalued with, with, with certain situations. Sure. My, my question to you is, do you think the Nuggets <laughs> missed an opportunity not consolidating that, that talent this year? And if if so, or if not, whatever, do you sure. think they'll eventually head in that direction given just how crazy deep these guys are. Because you look down their their roster right now, they have 
if you include Michael Porter Jr. in thinking that eventually he's going to be an NBA player, a legitimate NBA player, they have like 11 legit NBA players on their roster. Eventually that rotation is going to be pretty tough to work out. I think um, I don't think it has anything to do with depth and maybe too much depth. I think it has more to do with Denver missing one type of guy, and that is a long-bodied small forward that it's a certain body type that you can throw out there that – you know, your Jay Crowders, they have they have value because they they're big enough to guard your bigger wings and, yeah. and, and still light enough and long enough to guard your smaller ones. So Denver doesn't have that. They have a lot of guards um, and a lot of six, five, but skinny body types. But let me say this, Anthony, because it's not a, a, a thing of, oh, they're just this well-balanced 10-man team. They have a heck of a, first, of a starting five. I think they have one of the five best starting fives in all of the NBA. And here's the thing. The starting five that they plan to come into the season with and which will be their starting five as early as Saturday. Like 10 minutes. <laughs> they've only played, yeah, it will 50 minutes to be exact. And they've outscored opponents by 37 <laughs> points in those 50 minutes. It's Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. And it is a fantastic lineup. I have an article coming out tomorrow on denverstiffs.com about this because I actually think it is a, um, a lineup that is going to really turn some heads uh, with all of the different scoring and ball handling and defense, it's just such a great mix of it. Um, they've played 10 stretches together, like 10 different stints together on the court. They have been a positive in all 10 of those stretches, including the first game of the year. They went on a 21-8 to run to close out the Clippers in Los Angeles. Clipper, this at the time, the Clippers got off to a great start. They were a very good team through mm-hmm. the first two months of the season. In the second game, they played, I think, like 15 minutes. Nikola Jokic had a perfect triple-double, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, did not miss a shot, did not have a turnover. Yeah. Um, the third time they played was against the Oklahoma City Thunder just on Tuesday. That was the third time that all year they had seen the court together. They played, they uh, had just given up an 18-point lead, and they were down by three. So a 21-point swing when that unit checked onto the floor, they closed it out on something like a 17-10 to 10 run or something like that to win the game. So this lineup has barely played, but when it has, it hasn't just been good. It's been absolutely dominant and so part of me one of the things i think people don't realize that when you think talk about this team with depth and balance and oh scrappy this or that they actually have a five-man unit that's really 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 darn good and and that's what matters in the playoffs yes that that's what that's what you need in the playoffs to be able to contend with the golden states the milwaukee's the the whatever's that you're going to go up against in in those moments and and you know that they have that in their back pocket right now makes them very intriguing right now, this upcoming postseason. What makes me more interested in, in, in them moving forward is that I think they can very easily improve that that starting yeah. five, you know, by 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 acquiring that that type of body. Well, they uh, might already have it on the on the roster because Michael Porter Jr. Look, there's a there's a million question marks with him, but by all accounts, and I've seen it with my own eyes, he looks like a basketball player. He he doesn't mm-hmm. look like a guy that's stiff and doing this. He's doing windmill dunks and and everything else. And by all accounts, he is as pure a shooter as Denver has on their roster. And Denver has loaded with shooters. I mean, they've yeah. got seven or eight forty percent three point shooters on the roster. Six foot ten, six foot eleven. Um, so you know, he's a wild card. We'll see what happens. But he would be a guy that if he hits. That's the exact body type, at least, that Denver is lacking. Under under contract control, too, which is really <laughs> big for him. 
which is yes. really well because some of these guys are going to have to get paid if they are if they haven't been paid already, right? So I think Denver rides it out this year. I think they probably ride it out next year with the same unit. But at the trade deadline, I think by then they need to start making decisions about who are the guys you move forward with and who are the guys, as you mentioned, you consolidate. You know, Monte Moore's a heck of a player. Malik Beasley, the, both those guys are shooting over forty three percent on the season. There's a lot of teams that might like both of those guys and. You throw in a couple other pieces, maybe you can put something together to get a a better type uh, small forward and consolidate a bit. LeBron might be available. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the last question, and this winds up, unfortunately, because of the state of, of competition in the NBA, this winds up being the competition that you always have to come back to when you're talking about the league's best teams is how do they match up with the Warriors? <laughs> well, everybody saw on national television. The Warriors scored 50 points in the first quarter on them. So the, the Warriors, when, <laughs> when the they Warriors are on, look like that, there's nobody who's the Warriors missed four shots in the first quarter in that game, four <laughs> shots, including a buzzer beater heave. So it was, it was just one of those things where they just happened to make everything that, that night. But, you know, Denver is actually I think Houston is the only team that has beaten Golden State more than Denver over the last three seasons. Denver's beaten them every single year, and they've beaten them twice, I think, each of the last two seasons. So um, Denver actually matches up well with them in a couple different ways. Draymond Green, one of the things that makes him so valuable is he can guard most post players, even some of your better post players one-on-one. Mm -hmm. Jokic absolutely destroys him. Yeah. Denver is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. So when you go small against them, Denver just eats offensive boards. So I would say Denver matches up better than most. Would I pick him to, to to get past five games in a playoff series? Nope, not at all. <laughs> and, and and the last thing I'll say I'll say this, Anthony, kind of to this point. I'm I, I'm a because I've watched him, and obviously when you get close to a team, you're always um, you're seeing the best of them, and and it's certainly that this is the same for me. I think Denver is a fantastic regular season team, way better than people think. I think they're going to be the two seed, and not by a coincidence, to have missed to have only had your starting lineup to this point for one and a half games is really impressive to be in the mm -hmm. position that they are right now. In the playoffs, it's a big mystery, and, and everything is different. So I do think Denver is a team that uh, will finish the season very strong. But in the playoffs, I have no prediction for them because I think they're going to be tested in ways they, they haven't been and, and won't be, unfortunately, in the regular season. So what Adam is saying is that the uh, Lakers are going to squeeze into the playoffs, maybe snab the, the, <laughs> snag the seventh seed, and then, and then you know that series gets interesting. All I know is Locked On NBA would be very interesting during a Nuggets and Lakers series. That, <laughs> it would just be me crying into the microphone <laughs> for 30 minutes. Yeah, one of us. One of us for sure. Uh, either that or I had just like maniacal laughter on my part. Just, just, just either yeah. way, if the Lakers just flame out completely, I'll just sit there and laugh that through. And then if they knock off your, your, your Nuggets, then I get to laugh for a different reason. But this was fun. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I hope those of you who are listening right now really do tune in any chance you get to teams like the Denver Nuggets, to teams like the Milwaukee Bucks. This is a legitimate problem. You and I talk about this a lot off of the air, but this is a legitimate problem that I think the NBA has, that if it isn't the Lakers that are on TV, if it isn't the Warriors that are on TV, uh, that, that, that the casual fan tends to tune that out. And, and I just think there's so much great basketball that's going on right now that that, that shouldn't be the case. That, that it just it flat out should not be the case. Denver's on national television next Wednesday, next Friday, the following Tuesday, the following Thursday. So, so they'll, they'll get sick of the Denver Nuggets. That's so you're going to be sick of them before too long. <laughs> so this was a good preview. Now you'll know what to look for.
Awesome. This was a lot of fun. That'll do it for this episode and this week of the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, Have a great rest of your weekend. We are, again, right in the thick of a lot of the craziest playoff races that that you'll see in a while. It's it's so crazy that the buyout market is legitimately afflicted. Uh, We'll get to that maybe next time Adam and I get together. But for now, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. 